Well, hi, and welcome to The Christian Contrast, where we talk about how walking with Jesus leads us to live differently than the world around us. Um, and I'm Dan Franklin, and for this episode, it's going to be just me. Um, in fact, for some of these summer episodes, it is probably going to be just me because people are going and coming on vacations, um, but we still want to keep this going and just talk about topics that lead us to figure out how we live differently in the world because of the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. Um, and I'm recording this, what is today? Today is June 16th, um, so when this is released, we'll, we'll still be in the month of June, and the month of June in our culture is Pride Month. Um, and so that's been something that, that e- even if it hasn't been actively on your consciousness, there have probably been things that have happened that have brought it back to your awareness. And what I want to talk about is how we as believers take in the fact that our culture has Pride Month and how we just think about the overall subjects that it raises. So I want to go on a journey of talking about some different scriptural passages, and where I hope that it can lead us is to think this through in our minds but also to dig into our hearts and to try to see what is our gut reaction to something like Pride Month, and where would Jesus lead us to respond to that gut reaction? So I want to start by just talking a little bit about Pride, because for some people, the fact that it's called Pride Month, now Pride Month focuses in on gay and lesbian and transgender and sort of the LBG, uh, TQ and, and all of that. Um, but just the word pride, there are some people that feel like, all right, this is, this is an easy one. As Christians, pride is a sin. So the fact that we even have something called Pride Month, pride month or the fact that we're talking about gay pride or something like that, that that's just a non-starter right there, because pride is the enemy for believers. And, and there's something to be said for this, that there's that there's a good thing if just the word pride triggers us to think, all right, all right there's danger here. And we, we get passages throughout the Bible about the idea that pride goes before destruction. Um, we have both James and Peter quoting the Old Testament and saying that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And Jesus is consistently telling parables that talk about the whole idea that the humble will be exalted and that the proud will be humbled. So for us, when when we hear the word pride, it's not weird that we would say that there's danger here. We don't want to practice pride. What I do think we need to do, though, is we need to recognize that words are used in different ways, and they have different meanings in different contexts. And oddly enough, even within the Bible, words like pride and boasting are are sometimes used in a positive sense, not simply in a negative sense. I'll give a couple of uh, examples of this. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6 says, Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. In other words, parents are something that children would boast about, would take pride in. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans chapter 11, verse 13, I am talking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry. Paul says, I am proud about the ministry to the Gentiles that I have. Now, now let's try to sort this through. Because for the most part, in Scripture, when pride is spoken against and warned against, pride is bound up in the ideas of self-sufficiency— So in the idea of I'm proud in the sense that I don't need God, I can handle things on my own, or pride is bound up in the concept of superiority. I am better than others because of this quality, because of my heritage, because of my ethnicity, because of my accomplishments, because of my riches, something like that. So self-sufficiency and superiority are, are sort of the warning areas surrounding pride. 
but you can even think about it in here. In the Proverbs verse, it doesn't seem like the idea that the author is saying is that children are looking at their parents and saying, I am better than other people because of these parents, or I don't need God because of these parents. They're just looking at these parents and saying, I, I'm glad about my parents. I, I brag about how great my parents are in a positive way. And Paul is thinking the same about his ministry. He's not looking at his ministry and saying, because I have the ministry to the Gentiles, I am better than other people. Simply saying, this is a ministry to be proud about. This is a ministry to rejoice in. This is a ministry to, to brag about how God is at work and that I get to be a part of this. So I think we can back up on that and say, all right, when we're talking about the word pride, we should be honest enough and just be kind of broad enough in this to say, there are times that the word pride is used in different ways, and some of them seem more benign. Um, for example, I, I remember one time that I was talking about, we we as a church had, um, I, I think that it's that we had done um, a, a giving campaign, and, and we had we had called people to generosity, and people had really responded, and we were really excited about that. And I had posted something on Facebook just, just about what we'd got to do, and just had said something like, I'm just so proud of my church family. And somebody, not from our church family, and he did it gently, but sort of commented and said, yeah, you should, you should use a word other than proud. You know, pride is not good. Um, and it was funny because, you know, nobody likes to be corrected. And so there was a part of me that was just like, hey, how, how dare you? Um, but there's another part of me that, that just said, well, well, wait a second, pause. You know, he's, he's right that pride is something to be aware of, but is he talking about it? Is the warning of against pride something that would apply to this situation? And it would if what I was saying is, my church is better than other churches, or more important than other churches. Or if I was saying, because I'm a part of this church, or because I pastor at this church, I am superior to others because I have brought this about in my church. If, if I was saying that, that, that would definitely be not good. But I wasn't saying that. I was just saying, I'm rejoicing, I'm celebrating this positive thing. In the same way that you could say, I'm, I'm proud of my son because of the, the way that he was diligent in sports. I'm proud of my daughter because of the way that she was diligent with her school. You would say that, and you wouldn't mean I'm either self-sufficient or I'm superior. You would just say, I'm rejoicing in this, I'm celebrating this accomplishment. And so I think at the very least, just with the name of Pride Month, we can back off and say, all right, maybe we shouldn't write it off just because of the word pride, because there might be some appropriate uses of this word. And this is where we could try to get into a parallel, and we could start to say, all right, well, well let's do a thought experiment. Let, let's say um, we, we weren't talking about gay pride during this month, but let's say somebody was talking about black pride. Um, and so, so for African Americans, for black people, they were saying we're having black pride, because there have been times where that terminology has been used, sort of black and proud. And, and in a way, we could look at it and we could say, all right, all right, skin color doesn't mean anything before God. It shouldn't mean anything to us. So it's silly to be proud over your skin color. And there's a truth to that. But there also is a reality of looking at context and saying, all right, it, in the past, when people were talking about being black and being proud of being black, the primary thing that they were saying was not being black makes me better than other people. The primary thing that they were saying is, I don't need to be ashamed of the fact that I have black skin. And the reason there felt like a need to say, I don't need to be ashamed of this, is because there were people that had made them feel like they should be ashamed of that. Um, and I think of one of the things that you see if you, you see old videos or pictures from the civil rights area, uh, I'm sorry, for the civil rights era, is, is you'll see um, black men walking around with, with either placards or with signs um, saying the simple phrase, I am a man. 
And it's powerful when you think of that, that, that at the heart of this, at the heart of saying something like, all right, I, I'm black and I'm proud of it, was saying, I am a man. I am a person. The color of my skin does not make me inferior to anyone else. So even with that, we, we could look at a use there, at least potentially. We could look at a use of, of pride there related to skin color and say, all right, that, that's benign. That's not the thing the Bible is warning about. The Bible is not warning about the idea that you would look at a quality of yourself and say, I am not ashamed of this. I don't feel like I'm any less or any inferior because of um, how tall I am, how short I am, what what shade of skin I have, what, what color my hair is, a- anything like that. I, I'm not ashamed of those things. And it's appropriate that we would be able to say, yeah, yeah, there's certain things that if they're true about you, you don't need to be ashamed of, even if somebody else makes you feel ashamed of them. Um, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, I think brings us through really great, where it says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Um, so on the one hand, you, you could look in this, in this context, you could look at a Jew and you could say, all right, you're not supposed to be proud of being a Jew. It doesn't make you better than being a Gentile. But if there was a Jew who had been made to feel like he was less than human by the Gentiles, he might appropriately say, hey, I'm Jewish and I'm proud of that. And what he would simply mean is, I don't have any shame over this indispensable quality about myself. Now, here's the deal. When we start talking about what's being celebrated at Pride Month, for those who are celebrating it, that's the parallel that they would draw. Now, I want to say, right now, probably some of you who are listening to this are saying, where, where are you going with this? That, that, that's not a fair parallel. I'm going to say uh, up front now, I agree it's not a fair parallel. What I want to say is, as we're thinking about it, that's the parallel that they would draw. They would say, this is just who I am. I am gay or I am trans. This is just who I am, and there's no reason for me to be ashamed of it. I think there's very few people who are participating in pride marches who are saying, because I'm gay, I'm superior to other people. They're they're not saying that. They're saying, although I'm gay, there's no reason for me to be ashamed of the fact that I'm gay. So at the very least, if we're going to take this on or if we're going to critique it, we should critique it on what it's actually saying. What I want to say is if you're critiquing Pride Month by saying these are a bunch of people who think that they're superior because they're mostly no. What we can say is, are they saying, I don't need to be ashamed over something, that really in the end we would say, actually you do need to be ashamed of that. Um, And even bringing up the idea of shame, I know shame, um, it it feels weird to say it this way, but shame has a a bad reputation in our culture. And what I mean by that is that we, we don't seem to find many useful uses of shame in our culture. We figure if you have shame, the point is to get rid of it. And so if other people are making you feel shame, they shouldn't be making you feel shame. And if you feel shame, you got to figure out a way to talk yourself out of that shame because shame is bad. And and in one sense, yeah, shame is bad in the sense that it's not desirable. That none of us want to be in a position where we're experiencing shame. And even as we think about this as believers, we've got to recognize our relationship with shame is, is probably pretty different than our culture. Um, in the same way that following Jesus leads us to live differently in a whole bunch of different ways, following Jesus leads us to think about shame differently. In fact, there's passages in the Bible that promote that there's times where shame is the appropriate response to something. Uh, I'll read you a couple of them. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 5, uh, Paul is talking to the, the believers in Corinth about the fact that um, Christians are taking one another to court. And what he says about this is he says, I say this to shame you. 
Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? Now, Paul says, all right, here's what you should do. If there's a dispute between church members, you should work it out among yourselves, and if you can't work it out among yourselves, you should go to the church leaders, the, the pastors or elders, and they should mediate and help you work this through. But you're going to court, and you're going to court between people who, who aren't believers, and you're saying, you need to sort this out for us. He says, I'm bringing this up to shame you. He says, my purpose of bringing this up is that you would feel ashamed of what you're doing. Now, clearly, the end product is not that you would feel ashamed and that that would just be the perpetual reality, but Paul seems to feel like you should feel ashamed and then you should stop doing things that you should be ashamed of. Um, and he references all this also in um, Romans chapter 6, verse 21, when he talks about the past of the Roman Christians that he's talking to, and he says, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? So he says, all right, there's things in your past that you look back on with shame. You say, I'm ashamed that I got into that brawl. I'm ashamed that I had that affair. I'm ashamed that, that I drank to the point of being a drunk all the time. I, I'm ashamed of those things. And Paul doesn't say, no, you shouldn't have shame about those. He says, it's appropriate to look back with shame on those. Now, the good news that we have as believers in Jesus is that Jesus has taken our shame. So those Roman Christians can look back and they can say, oh, I can't believe I used to get drunk like that. I'm ashamed I ever did that. But thank God I don't have to carry around the weight of the guilt and the, the gravity of that because Jesus took that on. So, so I don't need to live in perpetual shame. But yeah, it's appropriate when you look back that you kind of hide your face and you say, hey, I can't believe I did that. I'm ashamed that I did that. So we've got to go into it with this, with, with saying there are people in our culture that should say that, that would say we need to get rid of the idea of shame altogether. And we as Christians would say, well, no, we don't. There are things that it's appropriate for us to be ashamed of. And that leads us into talking about the specifics of Pride Month, because for the people actively participating in Pride Month, what they would probably say is, the thing that I'm saying I'm not ashamed of is I'm not ashamed of this thing that is simply true of me. Not true by choice, not true by my own decisions, simply true of me. I am gay, that's just who I am. I am trans, and, and in the sense meaning by that of, I am really a woman even though I was born and, and appeared to be a man. I am really a man even though I was born this way and appeared to be a woman. This is just who I am. And if it's something that you just are, then you shouldn't be ashamed of something that you just are in the same way that you shouldn't be ashamed based on the color of your skin, you shouldn't be ashamed based on how tall or how short you are. And, and so that would be the argument. The point that, of course, we would diverge as believers in Jesus is saying, all right, there are things that are simply true of us, but there's also actions that we take, and there's ways that we respond to those things that are true of us. So, so let's do a little bit of a thought experiment with that. Let, let's talk about a parallel, and instead of talking about it in the area of sexuality, um, let, let's talk about it in the area of anger. Um, I think, I believe it would be fair to say some people are just born, and just the way that they are, they are more prone to outbursts of anger than other people. Um, now, now, for some people, that's something that is, is cultivated, and environment cultivates that, and bad decisions cultivate that, and parents sort of build that in. But but I, I just feel like it, it would be fair to say, yeah, it seems like you, you could have a family, and you could have several kids in the family, and you could observe, right, this, this one kid, they are quicker. They, they have a shorter fuse. They are quicker to anger than even our other kids who are being raised in the same home and have the same basic genetic makeup. 
So it seems like, all right, it, it would be fair to say you could be a person that says, I have a shorter fuse, and that's kind of just part of who I am, that, that, that I'm quicker to become upset about something. Now, the question is, should you be ashamed of that? And it's a weird question because you can almost feel the pull to say yes and the pull to say no. Um, and I, I think the reason you feel the pull to say no is that you'd say, all right, just because you have a propensity towards something, just because something is an extra battle for you, that you may have a, a bigger battle with, with anger than I do, that doesn't mean that that's something that you should be ashamed of. But I think part of the reason why we might want to say, yeah, you kind of should be ashamed of that is, first of all, because we would say things associated with that anger are shameful. So certain ways of acting out that anger are shameful. I think, secondly, we would look at it and say, it's because we live in a fallen, broken world that that's even a reality. So there is this sense of just shame overall that all of us are carrying around, just saying, all right, I'm broken. I'm not what I'm supposed to be. So even if you never acted on those temptations towards anger, there still would be some sense of shame that just this is a reality and that this is a pull and that you feel a pull to do something that would be shameful. Um, but I think the third reason why we'd feel like, yeah, maybe there should be a little bit of shame in this is because I'd say often, but really I'd say always, when we think of the things that are battles in our lives, at least to one degree or another, we have indulged those. Now, that doesn't, that once again, doesn't mean that if you're born just sort of with a higher capacity or, or a higher likelihood of having a short fuse, that that's your fault. But that's saying it seems inevitable that there have been times in your life that you have indulged that short fuse, that you haven't fought against it, that you've gone through it, that you've had outbursts of anger. Maybe they've been uh, involved physical violence. Maybe they haven't. But, but you'd look at that, and you wouldn't be able, if you reach adult age, if you reach 20 years old, nobody would be able to say, I have this propensity that wasn't my fault that I was, that I was sort of born with. Um, and I've never done anything to feed that, not, never done anything to feed that fire. All of us have. So to some degree, we could say that there is kind of shame just associated with that. But at the end of the day, the primary shame that we would have is not over the idea of, I have a battle and it's hard for me not to give in to outbursts of anger. We could say, all right, we all have our battles. That's yours. That, that You don't need to be ashamed of that. But we would say, if you're constantly giving yourself over to that anger, there, there is an appropriate sense of shame in that because you're doing things that appropriately bring shame. Um, shame sometimes is something that we can look at. I, I think of sort of like the, um, the, the fact that as a kid, um, you know, you're told not to touch the pot when it's on the stove and you touch it and then you, you, you immediately recoil from it because it's hot. Um, and the whole idea is, all right, that's good. If the, if the pot wasn't hot, you might just keep touching it and you might do yourself serious harm through that. I think shame is similar to that. Shame is something where we experience shame and we, we, we back up and we say, well, well that's not good. That, that's an indication that something is wrong. And shame typically is an indication that something is wrong. And so for, for those of us who are Bible-believing Christians would say to people within the Pride March, we, we might be able to say to them, all right, the primary shame that you should have is not over the fact that maybe some people are born, and, and I believe that this is true, maybe some people are born with just, without nurture even coming into it yet, just have a strong same-sex attraction. And that's just a reality. You don't look back and say, well, it's because the parents did this, and you don't look back and say it's because you had this trauma. You look back and it's kind of mysterious, and you say it, it just seems like this is an extra battle that you're facing. 
um, in the same way that somebody might face that battle regarding drinking or anger or something else. Um, this is an extra battle that you're facing. And in one sense, what you would want to say is, if that's your battle, you should not be ashamed of it. Now, again, like I talked about before, it's mixed, but in the overall, what you could at least say is there's no more reason for you to feel shame over that than there is for the person that has a battle with anger or a battle with lust in any way or a battle with drinking or a battle with um, with jealousy or with materialism. We all are in the battle. So the fact that that's your battle doesn't mean that you have a special kind of shame. That all is true. And in that sense, you could have somebody saying, I am not ashamed that I have the same sex attraction. But where there is shame is when we indulge in sinful activities, when we give ourselves over to things that should bring us shame. And obviously, what's going on in the Pride marches and, and with Pride Month is not a bunch of people saying, hey, I have these same-sex attractions, or I feel like I, I'm in the wrong body right now. I don't need to be ashamed of the fact that that's a battle that I'm facing. What they're saying is, I shouldn't battle this at all. I should give myself over to this. And in the same way that we'd say to the angry person who's saying, I'm not going to fight this, I'm going to give myself over to my anger, that we'd say, no, that, that you should be ashamed of that anger. We also would say, yeah, anybody who's given themselves over to lust in any way, anybody who's given themselves over to sinful activities in any way should be ashamed. We shouldn't be saying, there's no reason for you to be ashamed, go ahead and take pride in that. We'd say, no, no there is appropriate shame when something like that happens. Um, and so the question is this, you know, the, the question is, how do we respond not just a Pride Month, but but in general, to to our culture celebrating sinful activities in this way, um, and it's not limited to to the the Pride areas, but it certainly is one that's highlighted in our culture. And, and I'd say, all right, three things about how we respond to this. Um, the first way that we respond to this is that we hold the line on the idea that in general there are things that we should be ashamed of. Um, in a culture that looks at shame as just the enemy all the time and something we should talk ourselves out of, and that you're a bad person if you ever make anybody feel shame over anything, we as believers in Jesus hold the line and say, yeah, we, we don't believe that. We believe that there is an appropriate use of shame for all of us. And really, frankly, just, just about anybody that you talk to, if you talk to them long enough, they probably would agree at some point. They probably would say, yeah, if you're molesting children, you should feel ashamed of that. So, so we hold the line on that. We say, no, shame is actually something that we should feel at different times. Not all the time. There's such a thing as misplaced shame. If you read John Piper's book, um, Future Grace, there's a great chapter in that about misplaced shame, where the enemy wants to make us feel ashamed of things that we shouldn't feel ashamed of. But there is appropriate shame. Number one, we hold the line on that. Um, number two, we call everyone to take up our cross, deny ourselves and follow Jesus. That is the Christian call. And, and one of the things that, that I think that we all need to wrestle with as, as we think about things like Pride Month and, and in general how we as a church respond to, to, um, to some of the things going on sexually in our culture, and especially regarding homosexuality and regarding um, transgenderism. So when we talk about those, if the impression is people dealing with those issues need to deny themselves— the rest of us, thank God, don't. That's going to be pretty hard to sell. But what we as believers do is we say we are all called to deny ourselves. And that involves denying ourselves when it comes to greed and materialism, denying ourselves when it comes to the quest for revenge, denying ourselves when it comes to the, the quest for lust in any way that, that we are denying ourselves and following Jesus. And what I think is the more of us that are doing this, 
the more of us who are proclaiming this in a wide variety of issues, and the more of us who in our lives, our lives really are marked for, yeah, that, that person is denying themselves to follow Jesus. Um, the more hearing we might get with people who are saying, all right, wait, wait, you're doing this. You really are living a different life, and you're saying no to things that otherwise you would indulge. Maybe it's worth listening. Um, I would say this doesn't mean that it's our fault as a church that we've got to this point, but it's something that we should make sure is on our radar to say, are we denying ourselves and following Jesus? Because if we're not, we're calling other people to do something that we're not willing to do. Um, And then the third way I'd say that we respond is this. Um, We respond by making sure that we beware of pride. And I think, interestingly enough, when we deal with something like Pride Month, we we get two different pulls. Depending on your gut instinct, we get two different pulls for pride. And uh, many of you are probably familiar with the parable that Jesus told in Luke 18 of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Um, But the basics of it, you can can go and read it later if you'd like, and just hopefully I'll give a good summary. Um, A Pharisee and a tax collector both go to pray. Um, The Pharisee prays proudly about how glad he is that he's not like other people, and the tax collector prays in deep humility and desperation before God for God to have mercy on him. And Jesus says that the tax collector is the one who went home justified. Um, The prayer of the Pharisee, the prayer of the Pharisee who says, I am so thankful I'm not like other men, is something that we can find ourselves saying during Pride Month. So if you have an instinct in one direction, you might look at the different pride parades and you, you might say, oh, gosh, thank God that I am not like those. Thank, thank God that I'm not a rainbow waving, you know, whatever. Thank God that I'm not that. Um, if you're saying that, you're the Pharisee in the story. And so beware of the temptation towards pride when you see people flaunting sinful activity. It's easy to respond to that by saying, thank God I'm not like other people. We all desperately need Jesus, and Jesus is calling all of us to take the log out of our own eye. Um, Now, I do want to throw in that for some of us, our impulse is different with something like Pride Month. And for some of us, our impulse is maybe maybe it starts rightly through compassion, but we look at at the people celebrating Pride Month, and and we just, we we want to give them a big hug. We want to make sure that they know that that, um, they're welcome. And on the other hand, we say, you know what, I'm so glad I'm not like other people who are constantly condemning those who are doing Pride Month. I'm so glad that I'm not small-minded. I'm so glad that I'm not a bigot. I'm so glad that I'm not judgmental like other people. Are you following the train on this? I'm so glad I'm not judgmental. There is just as much a danger of pride in saying, I'm so glad I'm not like the judgy people as there is for the judgy person to say, I'm so glad I'm not like all of those sinners. All of us need to be aware of pride and to reach out with compassion and prayer and love, recognizing that all of us are in desperate need of Jesus' redemption and forgiveness. Us not more so, and us not less so than anybody else on the planet. Um, I hope this was helpful. Maybe this was a little bit of a journey that we went on just talking about different topics related to Pride Month. If you have feedback on this, I'd love to hear it. Um, You can comment just on this on the YouTube video. Um, You can find all the episodes of The Christian Contrast uh, on our YouTube page for Life Bible Fellowship Church, and you can also just find them um, 
on our webpage, on lbf.church, where we post the episodes. We love feedback and love interaction. So if you want to interact about the topics in here, or if you want to make a suggestion about an episode that we should do in the future, I'd love to hear about that. We drop episodes of The Christian Contrast every two weeks, and so I'll be back in two weeks to talk about another topic of how we look to follow Jesus in a way that leads us to live different than the world around us. So thanks so much for taking the time to listen, and I'll look forward to seeing you again in two weeks.